The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself a Gun, a Sopranos podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Sopranos and talk about it. Pod. 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 Podcast. Um, just a reminder, 
five stars and a review on uh you know on the apple podcast thing or also on spotify even though everyone uh, is mad at spotify right now uh because of joe rogan or something um you know a one way to like show them how pissed off you are is if our podcasts have more stars mm-hmm. than the joe rogan experience yeah. so we just need a few million people to get together and give us those stars and then we'll fucking you know then people will be like hey what is this fuck rogan we're gonna fucking we're gonna just start listening to this podcast um so yeah go ahead and do that um and just a quick quick reminder once again there is going to be a live bituation room with francesca fiorentini and me on march 10th at the bell house in brooklyn uh there will be a link in the show notes so please buy your tickets now it's going to be really fun me Francesca and uh, Sam Cedar and Tiffany Caban gonna be a great show. All right, our guest today for this very special episode of Pod Yourself a Gun. Uh, you may know him from fucking the amazing Pajama Pants podcast. Uh, you might also know him uh, as uh, one of the stars of the well-known HBO Max original series, The Sopranos. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, you know him, you love him. Robert Eiler is here. Thanks for having (laughs) me, guys. Dude, thanks for coming on the podcast. This is a big deal for us. This is the biggest get that we've ever had, we've ever gotten. With all due respect to Joe Gannascoli. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, when we got Joe, that was our first ever, like, Sopranos. We've never tried to go and, like, do interviews and whatnot with Sopranos uh, cast members before, mostly because we were like, well, none of them are going to come on the show. <laughs> uh, but uh, but also because we were like, oh, you know, that's, I don't know if our listeners are interested in that. Uh, and then Joe came on and everyone was like, you should do that more often. So we decided... Fuck it. Let's uh, mm-hmm. let's see let's see who's down. And we know that you did our uh, friend of the pod, Allison Rosen's podcast, and yeah. uh, she reached out to you, and you uh, for some reason weren't like, nah, fuck that shit. You were like, yeah, I'll, I'll go on. Well, I just want to let everyone know. I also said yes before you guys were in Variety magazine. Oh yeah, oh, that's, right. Yeah, that's that's important true. To know. Yeah, you're not you just, just some told kinda... me about that, and I, I just want to let everyone. They're like, oh, you said yeah because now they're in fucking magazines. No, no, no. Yeah. I was here way before. I knew yeah. them back yeah, when. But, he's yeah. not just yeah, some star fucker who knew that we'd been in a trade publication listicle. Uh, he's <laughs> yeah. here for the right reasons. No, no, yeah. Your your motivations were pure. You're like, let me help these fucking losers out by going on their <laughs> sopranos uh, rewatch podcast um to to talk to us about uh yeah your experience in your life i i listened uh to the episode that you did uh with uh allison and it was very good um you have this great podcast that you do with jamie lynn sigler uh right pajama pants podcast yeah pajama pants we started doing it a little over two years ago and it was something that uh definitely helped get through the pandemic and kind of had this thing we did every week where we could laugh and just uh, have a good time. And it's been great. Like she's one of my best friends in the world. She's one of the best people I know. So just getting uh, to spend time with her every week is uh, it's great. I love it. Nice. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's you and Jamie, do you like, uh, is there anyone else from the Sopranos cast that you keep in touch with as close as you do uh, with Jamie? 
Uh, maybe definitely not as close because you know, coming up on the set and everything, it was like always me and Jamie. You know, it was like everything right. we did was uh, together. But yeah, I still uh, I talked to Jason Sorbonne. I talked to Vince Kiratola. I I think you talked to people randomly. But oh, Aida is the best. Yes. Aida is incredible. She's such an amazing person. Uh, yeah. So fun. I, I keep in touch with her. And then um, one of my best friends in the world that I always forget he was on Sopranos is uh, Joe Perino, who now he's in uh, Power, or he was on Power, and uh, he's a great actor. Who was he on uh, uh, on The Sopranos? See, that's that's the thing. It's like I I talk about Sopranos and it's a topic that I know so much about but also absolutely nothing about because <laughs> yeah. I never watched the show but I was there for all of it you know so I know a lot about it but I don't know who he played I think he might have played like Arthur Nascarella's son oh I don't, yeah I don't you see well uh, I will admit that our podcast one of the things we tried to uh to avoid uh, was <laughs> being the the podcast that knew all of the names and everyone and all of the lore because we felt like I'd listened to stuff like that before and I'm like I don't you I don't get lost think, you get lost in it it's like after a while like why why would we need to know according the name to of uh, every IMDb family? it was Jason Gervaisi that he played on uh, Sopranos but I don't remember yeah, that and he played character. one of the guys like sons that like became one of my friends you know in the scenes where like we uh, when I when they, like I'm hanging out with those kids who are in like the frat house and they yeah. become kind of like uh, bookies almost mm -hmm. and then oh, we right, like yeah. beat somebody up and then he was one of those guys oh nice nice so yeah. uh, you were mentioning you know knowing the Sopranos and not knowing it um, oh he's Carlos son I alright I got it now. Oh, he's Carlos' son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, so, um, so yeah. Do you? Uh, this is a question I always ask every guest. Uh, do you like The Sopranos? I mean, it's you know, it's crazy. It's like uh, it's like the best high school. Like when people think about like, did you like high school? Like that. That's how my experience. Yeah. It's like It's like I went to the best fucking high school ever. Like yeah. you know, and that's that's how it was for me. It's like. I love it so much. I love the people so much. And it's like the relationships that I took from it. And, uh, you know, it's again, it's one of those things like family. Like when you say, do you keep in touch with people? It's like, we'll see each other at things. And it's like, we never stop talking, you know, like you, yeah. you click right back. We had the greatest times. I still talk to like Steve Sharippa, Michael Imperioli. Yeah. They're just like, they're just the best. And again, it's like, if I have, like, if you ask me when's the last time you spoke to them, I really don't know if it was three weeks or like a year because right. it just all feels the like same, family. You know? Yeah, it's like we're always in each other's lives. And it's like any of those people know if they ever needed anything. And if I ever needed anything, you, you have that feeling and it's great. So, yeah. you, so you never. Oh, and Drea. Oh, yeah. Drea is. I keep in touch oh, yeah. with Drea a lot. She's amazing. Yeah. So you've never watched the show like like all the way through right like you've only like how much of it like have you actually seen just as a viewer so we would when we went we would go to the premieres you they would show us the first two episodes and you'd sit around with everybody like your family your friends but also the cast members and watch it but i think like the reason it's like it's almost the reason why like i forgot like dre is my friend but i almost forgot like who do you keep in touch with from the cast i'm like oh yeah dre was on the show and like <laughs> i you know, like you just don't i don't even you know like jamie is like a sister to me before she's like somebody who i acted with you know right right so so does that mean uh, you have not actually seen all of the sopranos 
No, I, I've seen the the first two episodes of every season. And, and is there any part of you that's like curious as to uh, the show? No, I mean, we <laughs> there. So there's like a read through that you do every episode, which is like my favorite part of the whole show. Yeah. And it was everybody gets together before you shoot the episode and you sit around and it's like everybody's in pajamas and you're drinking like they would have like uh, Italian sandwiches and we'd all mm. hang out for you get there a little early, you hang out and then you bullshit afterwards. And it was um, you sit around and everybody would read their part in the script. So it's like I was there. I saw it all be, you know, semi performed and I, I knew what was going on and I remember some stuff. But it's also like. You know, people say, like, do you remember this thing? And I'm like, that's like asking somebody if you remember a conversation you had with your friend 20 years ago. Right. Because that's what yeah. it is to me. Like, I'm like, <laughs> oh, I, I don't I don't know that from like, like, I don't even know stuff that really happened on the show from stuff that like we did as friends. And like, we're just like fucking around because I'm like, I, I, I can't really remember. Like, it's it's hard to remember, you know, <laughs> like like you and your friends actually broke into the school and like broke all the trophies. And you're like, oh, shit, you filmed that. Yeah. I, thought that I thought that was real. Right. Oh, I was man. getting paid. to. I thought I did that for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have done that for free anyways. Fuck. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I love that you actually haven't seen all of it. Cause it's like, you fall in line with this tradition that we have on our show of, uh, having guests who actually haven't seen all of the Sopranos, uh, <laughs> because we find that in general, um, people who really, really love the Sopranos, um, they usually like it way too much. And then we end up having that weird star Wars esque conversation <laughs> about like fucking, like peripheral characters that we don't fucking it also know makes sense of. like i don't like to i can't go back to listen and listen to like old episodes of our podcast it's like yeah you're like listening to an old version of yourself and uh i don't know every, you pick everything pick apart everything that you do yeah so, i mean yeah. I, so the one of the things i love about your character uh i remember the first time i would watch the show i was maybe it was like i don't know i was like 18 or something like that and uh you know the show had been going on for a few years and at the time i was like oh man fucking oh, aj's so annoying he's a fucking he's the worst and then as i like grew up i realized that i just kind of hated myself because <laughs> i was essentially aj soprano it, just in terms of like the style choices the music choices the attitude the fucking the skateboarding um and what I love upon rewatching the show is that AJ kind of represents the kids of that era, like the late 90s, 2000s kids uh, in terms of like his music choices specifically. Like, were you actually a Slipknot fan or a new or like a new metal kid or did they write that for you? Yeah, no, like there were times, you know, obviously, I David Chase needed no help writing. Like he's a genius, sure. he knows everything. But there were definitely times where like I would come to set in a Pantera shirt and then the next week I would have a Pantera shirt on or like a <laughs> Slipknot shirt or like that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. And you know what I, like obviously AJ to me is definitely an easy character to hate. And there were times I hated him. And there were also times where like, not that I wish I could have done this, but I also like when I would meet younger, uh, like actors around my age and they were on the show, like they would want to do cool stuff on the sh their show and like come off as cool. And I was like, Oh no, on my show, like I come off like a piece of shit, you know, like they're just like, <laughs> yeah. a, whatever. So that's, that's what you're doing. And then, you know, AJ is easy to hate, but I also think 
a reason people hate him a lot is because like a lot of the stuff I did, especially in the first like five seasons was very easy. Like it was like, come in, maybe take a bite of food and like make a sarcastic comment. And I think people would see that and they would want to be like in the world so much and they loved the characters and they loved like Jim and Edie and they, they wanted to be in that world and they'd be like, I could fucking do that. Like this piece <laughs> of shit gets to like, you know, he's on like the best show. He's, he's probably getting paid a good amount of money and all he has to do is like walk on and make a sarcastic comment and leave. Like I, I could fucking, you know, I, I think a lot of people felt that way and they could have, you know, it wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't doing anything that was like, wow. Like, you know, I, I never studied acting. I was just a kid who got lucky. What was yes well, yeah tell us about that like go back to the beginning like when you first started like what was what was happening in your life when you first got cast as AJ I was probably like growing my first pubes you know <laughs> like uh, the world was changing and it's like hey do you want to be on the show but well uh so when I was 6 years old my manager like found me walking down the street and was like oh you're like told my parents like your son should be uh, an actor or whatever and they um, they said okay, and they took me on a bunch of auditions. And when I was, I, I had done a bunch of commercials and some small things. And then I stopped for a couple of years, went to, uh, and then I got back into it. And one of the first auditions was Sopranos, and it was just like, yeah, you got. Wow. You showed up and like I'm this Irish kid with like freckles and shit and they're like, yeah, there's like all these Italian kids and, and you know, like playing uh, mafia. But and then at first they thought it was about like singing because it was called Sopranos. And then like, you know, <laughs> but you just you go on all these auditions all the time. And like a lot of times you get there and realize like it's not for you at all. <laughs> like, yeah. But it was, this was just one of those where we're like, ah, like who knows? And then when we found out we got the show, my whole family was like, oh my God, you're gonna be famous. Like, this is it, you're on a TV show, you're going to the top. So I'm like, oh my God, this is it. Like, you were on a TV show, this. And I, I had known nothing about TV shows. And when we got on set, Tony Sirico was like, uh, he told me, he's like, oh, we do these things all the time. Like, you know how many TV shows that gets filmed every year? He's like, we're, we're gonna do this one episode and we're never gonna see each other again. So then I had to go back as a fucking 12 year old and break the news to my family who like we all had no money and we were fucking mm -hmm. broke. And I was like, hey, you know how like we thought I was going to be famous and make a bunch of money? Well, it turns out people do these things fucking every day. And I, I'm, I, it's, it's we're never going to see each other again. Am I, you know, <laughs> and then cut to a year later and we're filming a whole series and cut to two years later and it just it took off. Yeah. What, what were your parents doing at the time? Like, were they really, ex they were like excited that, uh, you know, about you potentially becoming like famous as an actor? Yeah. So there was, there was like all of it, you know, there was people in my family who were like, oh, and excited and like, maybe you could do this. But I think like, I think you go through these like, like waves of emotion because it's like the manager finds you on the street and you're like oh my god he could be an actor and then you go to these auditions and sometimes there's auditions with 500 kids and you just realize yeah. like you're just a fucking fish in this pond and nothing's probably gonna happen and this and then you know you get your first thing like my first thing was a pizza hut commercial so you go you do the pizza hut commercial and then you think like oh my god this is gonna be a big deal and this is gonna take off and this and then you just nothing happens and then i did an at&t commercial an ibm commercial like but there would be time in between where nothing was happening. So then you just kind of fall into this thing of like, all right, you know, I did a thing on like Saturday Night Live and it's like, all right, well, he's got another thing to do. And then you would kind of 
do one thing every couple months and then it's over and there's this like long period of time where you got nothing. So it's, it's weird. You go through those emotions where it's like, Oh my God, this is going to be this great thing. And then you go through a time where you're like, Oh, this fucking industry is so stupid. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, and especially for a kid, like being nine years old and going on these auditions. And, and as a kid, you go through times where like, I remember there were times where I was like, Oh, this is cool. And this is fun when you're like on the set and you're hanging out with these people. And then there are times where, it's like this sucks. Like, yeah. what, what is sitting in a room with four hundred <laughs> people and you have a? It's like American Idol. You have like a thing with a number on it, and you're like, yeah, this is who I am. And I'm like, I want to be like hanging out with my fucking friends, like not doing this. But you know, luckily, uh, we kept doing it. I remember, like, fresh out of college, I got a job. I, I was like doing uh, PA and like grip work, and I got a job working on this uh, commercial for an Indian casino, like way outside of <laughs> East San Diego. And we went there and we set up all the lights. And uh, and basically, like these actors' jobs was just to scream like they had just won a, uh, a wow. slot machine jackpot, and they did that for like a full eight hours. And I remember like watching this, thinking that this is the fucking worst job in the world. And I, were there ever times where, like, did you have fun jobs mostly when you were uh, like acting at that age, or did you have some that was just like, man, this sucks? It wasn't so, you know what I realized, like, it wasn't so much the job, it was like the vibe, like Mm. on set, because the truth is when you do an acting job, what most people don't realize is like, sometimes you work for 45 minutes in the day and you sit around for eight hours. So the job doesn't really matter. What matters is like the people around, you're hanging out. So sometimes there was a time, there were times where I was nine years old and you're like, well, I'm the only kid here. And they'd be like, okay, you're going to sit around for eight hours now. And you're like this kid sitting around for eight hours and they would give you a room and again i was super lucky and grateful and this i'm not trying to make it seem like oh this is so horrible and terrible it it was (laughs) incredible but if if you're looking for the times where you're like hey this sucks it was definitely like uh they would put you in a room that is probably one third of the size of like a jail cell. And there's just like, a, <laughs> there's just like a toilet in there and then like a, a two seats for people to sit. And they would just, you just sit in there all day and they'd be like, okay. And then like, sometimes they would get you there at like 8 AM and then at noon they would come knock on your door and you'd be like, okay, it's time to work. And they'd be like, all right, you got an hour for lunch. I'd be like, an hour for lunch. Like, what do you, I was just fucking sitting here for four a hours. PA, a PA throws you a bologna sandwich and you're just yeah. like, eat it. Yeah. yeah. And then there's times where they forget about you. Like there has been times where I've been on set and you're like waiting, waiting, waiting. And somebody like looks at you sideways and they go, you're still here. And I go, yeah. And they go, oh, I don't think we need you. And then they find out from whoever. And that's happened even on Sopranos to everybody, like where it goes, sure. like, oh, wait, we told you four hours ago to stay here but then we moved on from that we realized we were done with that scene and nobody went to your room to tell you and then like yeah it's it's but that's you know there's so much shit going on on these sets and they're like it but overall the experience i mean surprise and again it, it all comes down to who you're with and who you're spending your time with when you have those eight hours. So for me on Sopranos, if they said you got six hours to hang out, it was like awesome. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to hang out with my friends. I'm going to hang out with Jamie. I'm going to talk with Jim. I'm going, you're just like, or even the the crew, like there were people on the crew who were PAs or assistant directors or this were like, they became like, we would work for 12 hours. And one of the best PAs was like uh, ginger and then after working together for 12 hours, we'd be like, oh, are we going out to a bar? Like, you know, like, what are mm-hmm. we going to do? And you want to spend more time together because it's just, you know, these people are, th- they were the best. We were really lucky that 
First of all, everybody was from New York, but a big thing is like our show took off before everyone had a fucking cell phone in their hand all day. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. There was no, but even if people did, you know, I've talked about this before where it's like, what do you think Tony Sirico is going to be on Instagram? Like you think fucking these guys, these guys are not going to be like, Hey, let's all take a picture and Lord, what are we eating for lunch? And this, and that's, that's what stuff is like now in this industry. It's like, everybody wants to build their own brand following and brand. Yeah. And yeah. And, and where it's like, I, I like, I don't fucking have social media. Cause I'm like, what, what do I, yeah. I want everyone to look at me and what I'm eating. And then I understand there are reasons to have it and why it's good. Sure. But I'm just like, I don't want to sit around all day. Every time I sit down to eat a meal and go, should people see this meal or is this a meal for me? Right. You know? yeah. like, I just like, I don't fucking care. Like, I just want to live my life. I mean, so one of think- the reasons I appreciate Tony uh, or uh, uh, Steve Sharipa's uh, Instagram presence that is is mostly about his dog. anyone who decides like okay i'm gonna do the social media thing but it's gonna be about my pet i'm like all right you're cool because your brand is tied to an adorable thing as opposed to like here's the food here's the people i'm hanging out with here's you know it's all just people puffing up their chest which uh yeah speaking of that like do you think like by virtue of it being a new york show that people were maybe like more uh, excited to be there, like maybe less jaded in a way than like if it was an LA show where everybody is kind of just super industry. Industry, in a way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, if you went to our set, especially the first couple of years, it was like a bunch of regular people who were taking the fucking train to work and this, and you come out here and people are in like convertibles driving into the Sony lot or like the Warner <laughs> Brothers lot. And, the, yeah. and then like, it, it's just, there's, there's a different vibe. It was like, you know, so yeah, everybody was grateful to be there. Everybody was happy. But I think another thing was there were no stars on the show. Like I know Lorraine mm. Bracco was pretty famous at the time, but like nobody showed up and said, uh, like, I, well, I want my camper to be 64 feet long. And and, if, and, if he, <laughs> and and like there are there are shows where they argue of like, let's say you're on set and there's three campers. The person goes, no, mine has to be parked closest to set because when we walk back to the campers, I want the shortest walk. And then, like we were – there were times where they would give us four campers on set and we'd all be in one camper because we'd be hanging out and laughing oh, I love and that. Yeah. whatever. And, yeah, there were times where like I've always had a phobia about like shitting on in public. Like I just hate it. I always have. <laughs> and there would be times where Jim would be like – just go in my camper, you know? He'd be like, go take a shit in my camper because he, he obviously had the nicest camper, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's like, yeah, just go go ahead, go take a shit in there. And I'm like, oh, that's that's love. <laughs> that yeah. is love, that's real yeah. love. Yeah. So what was your relationship then like uh, with Jim uh, Gandolfini was, uh, you know, cause I imagine because he played your father on the show, and you know worked with you ever since you were like a kid that you guys had a much closer relationship uh, than say, you know, uh, a lot of the other like peripheral characters like did were you guys close yeah we were really close and i think it's interesting because like our relationship definitely changed over the years you know like he met me when i was 12 and it was like oh the kid the kid the kid and then around like 16 17 i was in this weird area where it was like all right and then as soon as 18 hit it was kind of and, like you know i'd be at the emmys and all these award shows and everything and they would know i was drinking you know like by the <laughs> yeah, end of the yeah. night i'd be fucking it'd be pretty clear you know? <laughs> and uh so you know somewhere maybe around you know whenever it's appropriate he he uh you know because he he did everything right but 
whenever it's appropriate, we definitely, the relationship changed and it became like, all right, well, if you're going to be doing that, like, Hey, we're all going out to the bar after, if you want to come and then this, and then you, and then that relationship, uh, you know, I, I just became one of the guys and that's how yeah. I was to, to everybody. And you're, and you know, it was just, it was incredible. And he was always such a great guy. And I forget if I found out after he passed away or when I found out, but my manager finally told me that um, he used to call uh, my manager and check up on me and mm -hmm. be like, hey, like, don't tell Robert I'm calling you, but I just want to know, like, wow. is he fucking blowing his money? Is he is he spending like $10,000 a month on rent because he, he doesn't know what his money because he never had any before is he um you know what kind of people is he hanging out with is he getting involved in bad so you know just just check in and like you know there's that like we talked about like these people doing things on instagram and oh we're so close and this and it's like he yeah. was doing shit and he's like don't even tell him i'm doing this you right know? yeah so like what, actual selflessness like that is uh someone who's actually acting in your interest without expecting anything in return which is that's like fatherly shit yeah. Yeah. And I know people have talked about this now. Like it was something that, again, it's, it's weird. You know, the fact that he's Jim passed away, but he's also like, he was, he was a very private guy, but I know people have talked about this, uh, now where it was something that I was like, I don't know if I should bring up or just for who knows why yeah. I just didn't like, you know, there's just, sometimes I just feel uncomfortable with, with stuff about him. That's not known stuff. And he, uh, there was one season where I forget if he, like if it was when he signed a deal to get like DVD money from the DVDs or what happened, but he signed like a great deal and he came to all of us and, and he gave us all a check, like just a giant check and was like, here, wow. like I, I, I'm doing well and I want you guys to do well too. And he just came to all the people in the cast and one by one gave him a, a check out of his own pocket. Yeah. Damn. That's, so like that's not, that's an interesting aspect of it to me is that you were, you know, you're playing the youngest uh, person on this show, and you're sort of like a a young teen, teenager, and a teen. And it, uh, I imagine you were spending most of your time hanging out with like adults. What, like, do you feel like you spent a lot of your formative years sort of like around people that were older than you? And do you think that sort of uh, I don't know had an effect on you, or it was yeah, a weird mean, my, experience in any way? My mom was young when she had me, and then we spent a lot of time around like her two brothers who were also young and i kind of was always around i never had like brothers and sisters until mm -hmm. i was l later in my life until i was like nine or ten but i always kind of spent all my time around adults and i think a lot of the reasons i would get roles and when i would be on these auditions they'd be like this eight-year-old is like an adult like you know and even yeah. on the in the Sopranos audition, it's like these kids were 12 years old and they would come in and they had to say fuck. And they were like, you know, it was like a, this big mom. <laughs> they were and I'd scared. be like, yeah. And I was like, yo, what the fuck is it? Like, you know, and the way I said it, like David Chase just couldn't stop. He said it before where he's like in Robert's audition, every time he did it, I laughed, you know, because it was just like, he just, he said it like he was saying anything. So and, uh, yeah. Was the line no fucking ZD is was that in the audition? In the audition, yeah. Oh, oh shit. Nice. Wow. Yeah. That's so he yeah. was so they were like, you know, they had all these kids who were and you know, you have kids who did theater and, and this and some of them were fucking awesome actors and I just came in and I cursed and David's like, I can't stop laughing <laughs> when he does it and that's that's how I got the job. But I uh the the cool thing about the show 
Like even though I was 12, 13, 14, and all of a sudden you're on like the biggest show in the world, when I would hang out with 12 and 13 and 14 year olds, they had, had no idea. Like there was never right. a 12 year old who was like, oh, he's on Soprano. <laughs> like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. kids didn't watch that. And even like 16, 17, 18, like I didn't really, uh, like there were times where I'd be with groups of people and some adults would come over and then the adults were more like, oh my God, you're on Soprano. And like people would be like, what is he talking about? And I'm like, ah, oh, just, <laughs> yeah. I'm on this show. And then it's I remember- It's a subscription service. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> And then I remember uh, a crazy thing was when we were on the cover of the TV guide. And then I yeah. remember like a bunch of kids coming up to me and being like, yo, like in the deli, like you're, <laughs> you know, cause they have like right where you like buy shit that there's like, oh, here's the, buy the TV guide too. And it's like right yeah. there. And people would be like, yo, you're on the cover of the TV guide. And I was like, yeah, you know, like we're on the show. But then of course I had my really close friends who like knew it was such a part of my life because they'd be like, Hey, come to the like park and smoke a blunt and drink a 40 and i'd be like oh no i'm in uh i'm, I'm at the sago i'm at the emmy awards <laughs> you know and they'd be like oh okay well like come tomorrow then it's like all right so uh, one of the interesting things uh, about what you're kind of um what you were saying about playing aj and how anyone could do it was that i um uh, you know we're on the sixth season right now uh we're about to close out um season 6a and then we're gonna end the series season 6b and one of the things we noticed was that um your acting improves in this way or it's not that it improves it's that like you go from like you know like you said going in there and like saying you know hey fuck you and then like taking your your matrix dvd uh to um doing these like really incredible scenes with uh with james gandolfini and I, and it made me wonder like was there um was that just na natural like did you just like because you were like by osmosis or surrounded by these like actors that you were able to like um become this incredible dramatic actor by season six because like you really fucking you know start crushing it in the in the acting uh especially in the last two three seasons thank you yeah it's uncomfortable to hear uh compliments but i definitely <laughs> i definitely think there were like one or two times where i was like oh that was all right you know like yeah. i would normally do stuff and just be like oh this is so you know so cringy and so whatever but or it was and it also a lot of times just felt like nothing like it was like right. hey you show up and you, you've been playing this character for six years you're coming in you're grabbing a cup of coffee you're saying this smart remark to jim and you're leaving i, I wouldn't even be like oh was today a good acting day like right, i'd just right. be like this is what i do like i come in i'm an <laughs> asshole and blah blah but then there were some scenes that yeah like you know i never took acting class or anything and i think spending all this time around Jim and Edie, uh, you know, luckily maybe something rubbed off on me. Not, not, you know, I, I'm not anywhere near, uh, in their league or as, you know, incredible as they are. But I think from day one until the last day, like I hope, uh, some stuff rubbed off on me, but also in most of those scenes, like you said, I would be acting opposite of them. And when right. you're, in a room with them, you just, you know, you, you, you get better you, and you step up your game. <laughs> I mean, and it's everybody, you know, it's also like we had the best directors. We had the best, you know, uh, David Chase, the, the producers, everybody. It was like, everybody is so good that, 
you know, uh, luckily I did some things that were passable. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, I think that's one of the things that stands out, uh, at least when you compare The Sopranos to anything that was on at the same time is that the acting is very clearly like sort of a step above uh, what was going on at the time. But like being on the show, uh, were there people that were sort of thought of as like, you know, everybody, everybody likes this ensemble, but like those of us that are part of it, we know like this person is really like the, uh, the class of the, uh, ensemble or they're like, were there people that you sort of thought of that were like the pros on set or that you thought of as really like being really good, uh, when you're watching them? You know, I think it's, it's almost in a way of like, you forget at times, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, 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 when your parents are parenting, you get in such a rhythm that you don't go like, man, my mom's being a bad mom today. Or like, my dad's <laughs> right. being a bad... Yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't leave and go like, wow, Jim was an incredible actor today. But you, right. you, go, you go on set and you go like, if anything, maybe they were so good that you would notice if you were like, man, that person didn't have it today. Because norm- mm. like every time they fucking show up, you're like, wow, like they really just blow you away. And I don't ever remember like not that I could even judge like my I don't even have the talent to say like but I never remember seeing people and being like oh they were you know not doing it today where it's like and there's another thing where you know I've talked about this before too where it's like if you weren't performing or if you were being maybe an asshole on set or if you said like hey I want my trailer uh three doors closer to this they would fucking kill you like Mm. David would kill you (laughs) off the show and then you'd show up and you read the next script and you're like oh like I'm gone now so I think people realize quickly like (laughs) I'm gonna be the fifth character to die on the toilet in the show Right. So, you know, you're just like, hey, I I got a, you know, I think people, people were already super cool and everybody was from New York and it was like a great set. But I think that even like made people more like, okay, even if the idea came in my head of like, hey, I should be getting this or doing this, like, let me chill out because I I love, you know, there were actors who when they would get the script would just look for their lines to be like, oh, I just want to know I made it like another Mm -hmm. episode or whatever. And especially like, the last episode of a season when you know you made it it was like oh i'm getting paid next year like yeah all right you know it was it was yeah it was crazy. Uh, it's kind of amazing yeah. to think that like there's there were moments on set where like somebody came up to like you know one of the producers like david chase and was like i want a bigger trailer and then they did a smash cut to funeral where they immediately <laughs> yeah. were killed off yeah. well that's uh, the thing it's like i would go to these like uh, a couple of times like award shows in la and you meet these kids who are on these nickelodeon shows and i'm like oh this kid doesn't have to worry about getting a bullet in the back of the head like <laughs> you know what i mean he's like yeah. he's gonna get slimed like you know whatever he's fucking doing he's we're like worried about getting molested like, that's what he's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> LA was and that's what you know when, when all the the like molesting stuff gets talked about and people always say to me like did anything happen like that on your side I'm like you think Tony Sirico was standing around and if there were people eyeing me the wrong way like oh Rob looks cute today like Tony Sirico is just gonna stand there like Tony Sirico there was probably like the you know so once we did like the second or third episode like Tony Sirico just came over to me and he's like hey uh if anybody ever bothers you or anybody says anything, we're all, you you tell Uncle Tony, okay? And I was like, okay. Like, you know, and that's how I felt in fucking school. Like, I was 13 years old and I was like, oh, this kid thinks he's going to fucking mouth off to me. I'll have Tony Sirico come down. And like, 
you know, no matter how old you are, you see somebody who has like black hair here and then silver <laughs> hair on the sides and just the way he, he always had a handkerchief in his pocket. You're like, this dude will fucking fuck you up. <laughs> I love that you were the most unmolestable kid in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you had just a, an entire crew of people who would literally kill anyone who came on to you. That's yeah. that is that's fucking well, that just speaks to kind of uh I don't know the the family um, aspect of the set, which is what is something that I, I I really you know like to to hear about, um, and I imagine that because there was you know such like a close knit group of people, um, did, was there like any uh, there must have been a lot of ball busting on set, right? Like uh, crazy, or, yeah. So like, who was like? Would you say is like the biggest ball buster? I don't know if there was one. It, it always depended on the day and who was like talking yeah. about Tony Sirico. Like I know Tony Sirico had a line and I forget exactly what it was. So I'm just going to paraphrase it. But you know, a lot of people talk, it's been talked about in podcasts before where he says like, if, uh, I think Terry winter, uh, has talked about it maybe on when he did our podcast, but he said like, Tony Sirico said to me like, Oh, if, if you write my death scene, in this in this uh, episode, I'll write yours. <laughs> like you know, like it's just like letting people know. And it's you know, there's there's uh, yeah, Tony Sirico is the best. But I mean, like you know, Steve Sharippa like uh, can bust balls with anybody. He worked at, as the guy who like ran a comedy club for mm. ten or fifteen years in Vegas. However, like like you know, yeah. he's he, nobody's like these guys were incredible at it. And then uh, one of my best friends on the show was Vince Kiratola who played sure. Johnny Sack and we would just go at it like you know uh, crazy like there was one time where we were going to the Emmys and you know if the cars would come pick us up at six we would try and push hanging out as late as possible so we would be up on the roof of the hotel at the pool eating having drinks and and like at five fifteen, it would be like all right i guess we gotta go like nobody wanted to go to the emmys you know everybody yeah. was like oh i guess we gotta go get ready and uh i think he might have left a little early with his wife so she could get ready or whatever so I ran to uh, CVS and I got a bag of Depends, like diapers, and I put them in in the bag. Like I put them on the door of his hotel room, and I knocked on the on the door, and I ran away, and I went to get ready, and then I came downstairs in my tuxedo, like, and he was just standing there, like. <laughs> You know, like waiting for me with the face on. And I was like, what? He's like, you don't think I know it was you? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. We just like, you know, we're like people are on the red carpet at the Emmys talking about like, you know, oh, my God, what do you do? And me and him are like, you know, he's like throwing shit at me because I just left diapers on his doorknob, you know? So, I mean, this was a show that like people really developed an attachment to probably like especially uh, in New York and, and New Jersey, and you're kind of playing this character who's like a shithead. Like, did people ever sort of uh, like forget that the line between you and your character existed when like you would be out in public? Big time, in every way you could possibly think of, in ways yeah. of people asking me about like a mafia or like you know tell coming up to me like, hey, I got a problem with uh, this. And I'm like, I'm not fucking. Who are you? Like, you're some stranger. And then you know what else? A lot of people would. Do, but I mean, not a lot, but you know, 10 people over the 20 years or whatever was come up and be like, Hey, you know what your dad does on the show? I'm like, yeah. He's like, 
that's what I do in real life. And I'm like, oh, okay, and you're deciding to tell me? Like, <laughs> like na- now I know? Like, thanks, okay. I love the breaking Omerta for the for the kid on their favorite TV show. Yeah, just to let me know. And then there, were, there was also, I remember there was one time where, like, uh, somebody asked me if Tony hit like they were, does he, does he hit you? Cause he seems like a dad who would hit you, but like, I've never seen him hit you. And I was like, well, if you've never seen him hit me, then no, like, he, uh, like you want me to make up an answer if he hits me or no? Like, I'm like, you see everything that happened. Like, what are you talking about? The show it's doesn't crazy, exist you know? out of the things that you, outside yeah. of the things that you see. In, in, you know, 20 years, you meet enough people where you meet a couple people where you go like, holy shit. Did I remember there was one time where. I did a scene where I guess I like uh, fight with some kid and then I say like, hey, if you don't pay me, whatever. My, and then the, people started telling him like, you know, his dad's in the mafia. So he came and paid me right. $40, $40. And I remember somebody coming up to me and be like, what did you do with the $40? <laughs> and I was like, fuck? yeah, I was like, what do you, and they were like, and I remember this person was like, yo, like I would have, I wouldn't have bought the shirt. Cause I guess he like ripped my shirt and that's what you're supposed to be. Like, I wouldn't have bought the shirt. I would have bought like a video game or like I would have did this. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, I gave it back to the prop guy on set. Like what do you, he's like, he's like, oh, you gave it back. He's I would have kept that shit and blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, they're paying me like a couple thousand dollars an episode. So I'm not going to steal $40. Like, you know, it's just crazy. Cause, cause when you get to ask a question like that, you're not prepared, you know, right. you're not prepared. Yeah. To, so your brain is going like, what is this person talking about? Is this person serious? What did I actually like? You're like, what did I do with the money? I don't know. Like what, how do I answer this fucking question? For a second, you get sucked into their weird delusional reality in which the Sopranos is real. And you're right. like, uh, I don't want to <laughs> stoke this delusion, dude. Yeah. This is a show. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, should I have kept the 40 bucks? Like, I don't know. Am I a sucker for giving it back? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is this stupid or really philosophical? I can't tell. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you get asked crazy, crazy shit, you know, like really weird. But then there's also the times where like you go to an Italian restaurant and you're fucking eating a meal with your friends. And then when the check is supposed to come, they're like, oh, you know, your money's no good here. Or you get like they, they yeah. point over to another table and somebody just like gives you a little, mm-hmm. you know, a little yeah. nod or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's that's pretty. No, I, nobody ever bought me a dinner before Sopranos. <laughs> Did anyone ever? The get- gabagool is on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, All right, dude. Hell yeah. Did you ever get shit for being like the non-Italian uh, in the cast? Uh, yeah, only from people who would say something like, uh, you know, what'd you do with the $40? Like those <laughs> yeah, kind yeah. of people. There were definitely a couple times where it was like, oh, like you're the only not. But also like, you know, we were in a time where all these all this information about actors wasn't available like it is right, today. Right. You know, where like I but on the set. No, never. You know, like or like if somebody said something about it, Tony Suri could be like, no, he's Italian. You know, like, they would say, <laughs> I'd be like OK, yeah, I'm Italian. But like. It is interesting because even though I grew up before the show in a lot of ways, once I was on the show, like, you know, my my family is like Irish, German, and there was never any pride in it. Like, it wasn't like, hey, you're you're German. (laughs) I know I I was never told I was fucking German. Like, I think at one point I was like, hey, what are we like? Kids (laughs) at my school are talking about stuff. I don't know what I am. And then but on set, it was not that way. Like, it was very like, like, what do you mean? You're not going to the the parade like, you know, like it was like you, you had that sense of pride. So there's you know, there's part of me where like 
I'm like, fuck, do I have to say marinade? Like, like I feel weird <laughs> saying marinara because I grew yeah. up saying marinara, but if I'm on set and I say marinara, they tell me I'm a, like, I get looks from everybody. Like, you know, so I'm like, okay. And like mozzarella, you know, they're yeah. like, if I'm like, oh, like a mo- mozzarella. Yeah. I was like, hey, do, you know, so there, there was like a weird thing in that for me. Cause I'm like, I feel like an idiot saying yeah. marinade, yeah. but I get looked at like an idiot. If I say marinara, I'm like, I don't know what to do. What do I yeah. say marinara at home, <laughs> you know? Uh, you felt like you were doing Italian face. Oh, yeah. Right, know, yeah. yeah. People would uh, judge you for it. Yeah. Um, so I, I also want to know, just in terms of, like, um, the, you know, you coming in to the set with a Pantera shirt and then they write that in, um, like, how how much of that, like, applied to other aspects of the character? Like, the I mean, you have things like, the uh, they decide to write you going to a Mudvayne concert, right? Like, yeah. was Mu- is Mudvayne something that they knew about, or was that something you told them about? Uh, you know, what? How did that work? Well, I just want to say, anybody who works out, Dig is probably the greatest workout song of all time. <laughs> Goddamn right, it is yeah. probably number one. Like, of any, like, I mean, if you're having a bad day, don't put on Dig yeah. by Mudvayne because you'll <laughs> yeah. fucking kill someone. But uh, well, what happened was. Once they started um, putting Slipknot shirts on, then I uh, became like buddies with some of the people from Slipknot, but also like they, they were on Roadrunner Records. So right. then Roadrunner Records started just sending us boxes of stuff, you know, oh, like, shit. hey, yeah. here, like whatever you want. We'd love. Like, I remember they were sending me like the, the Slipknot jumpsuits that they wore on stage <laughs> <Yeah>. and like <laughs> just crazy shit. So that's how like. That's how that would would come around, you know. It was like they they became uh, one of the people on set who was a grip. His girlfriend also worked for Roadrunner Records, so we nice. just kind of like it just came into play or whatever. But I remember I was uh, to to break off for one minute and talk about Slipknot. I was like, Please. S- I, maybe it was 1999, so I was 14, or I, I, for some reason I feel like I was 15 or 16, but whatever, it doesn't really matter. I was I went to the Roxy to see Slipknot. And uh, the guy who was the clown, his name is Sean. This is the first time I met Slipknot. He came outside and, and he had no mask on, so nobody knew who he was. And he's like, hey, man, I'm Sean. I'm, I'm the clown in the band and we're talking. I'm like, oh, cool. So he's like, they tell him, they're like, oh, hey, it's time for you to, to go on soon. So I'm like, okay. So I go to walk in the front door and he goes to walk in like the, the, the back uh, entrance or whatever. And the guy at the door is like, you have an ID? I'm like, no, it's a concert. Like, I don't, I've never been ID'd at a concert. And the guy's like, well, you have to be whatever, 18 to get in right. or, or whatever. And uh, he comes over and he goes, hey, if he doesn't get in, we're not playing. And the guy was like, dink, and just like opened the rope. Nice. <laughs> walked me in because he, he told him, he goes, if my, what he said was, if my son doesn't get in, <laughs> we're not playing. And he was like, dink, open the rope. Me and my friend who were like 14, 15, whatever, walked in. And they walked us uh into the back to meet all the guys and then they said hey come over here they said you stand here and there was a stage uh and they stood us on the side of the stage and there was like it wasn't one of these things wow. where like this is this like you know after that i went to things like to see metallica and you stand on the side of the stage with 700 other people you know right. like, yeah, yeah. The, the tour manager they're this this was at the roxy there were probably two three hundred people in the whole yeah, place it's a small we venue were, we were the only two people on the side of the stage. Me and my best friend watched Slipknot perform for an hour, hour and a half from at times 
inches away because they would come up to us and like pour bottles of water on our heads and like yeah. make these crazy faces. And it was one of the greatest experiences, you know. Oh, uh, that of rules. My life. I yeah. would have fucking died, man. Cause like I was like, I was a total fucking new metal kid. Uh, you know, in the in that era, and uh, fuck, man, I like I just saw Slipknot just played a concert over at Bank of California uh, Stadium in downtown, and uh, that was my first concert back from fucking um, from COVID, right? And uh, and they still got it, man. They're still like the greatest <laughs> fucking live band I've ever seen. So that that fucking rules. Do, do you keep in? Is like do, do you like know? Uh, Corey Taylor at all or do you keep in touch with any of those guys I haven't spoken to those guys in probably like 10 years oh yeah because yeah. I should, once you should reach I out got, dude <laughs> yeah I know once once I got uh I hit a certain age I just became like the star of my own music video where I was like I'm moving yeah. to Vegas I'm drinking right? I'm doing drugs like I just want I was in my own world where it was like do you want to go to this concert and I'm like uh I don't even no. I just all I wanted to yeah. do was like, like drink my, and party my mind is a concert motherfucker <laughs> yeah, yeah literally and it was I like, got I dig was just... playing on loop in my head at all times <laughs> yeah. just molly and fucking uh and uh and booze the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about that's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials to participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, so, on that, uh, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. On that note, like I feel like the uh, for most of us, like the, the one of the defining characteristics of being like eighteen or nineteen years old is uh, being broke, which probably stops us from doing a ton of dumb shit that would uh, come into our head otherwise. But like you'd been on this, sh- you'd had basically like a, a steady job since you were, I don't know, thirteen. Like what what was it like being like an eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old? Uh, but also like having, having that, money, having money and having that like stability. You know, I, I, it's interesting cause I would love to figure out why, but for some reason I never lived like I did. Like I moved out when I was 18, I moved into like the shittiest apartment. I slept on my couch, like, and I was just, I don't know. I, I never thought like, oh, I should live in a nice apartment and I should, I was yeah. so excited to have my own apartment that I was just like, yeah, like I moved into my first apartment. And uh, the first day, like all of my friends came over and we sat on the couch 
and smoked weed and drank. And if you had like a video camera on that apartment for 365 days, you would have been like, oh, this is just the same day being played (laughs) over and over and over and over because that's, we were just so excited to not have to hang out in the park anymore. And like uh, the kids would come and then this, that it was like, oh my God, we have a place to chill. We could smoke and we could drink here. Nobody's gonna, you know, yell at us or try and like arrest us or whatever. So we're just like, this is, incredible and then i don't know like i never i never used a credit card until i was like 22 or 23 so i just kind of lived where i was like oh if i don't have cash in my pocket like i am broke Mm -hmm. like yeah that was just and i never thought like i shouldn't live this way or whatever it's it's weird like i look back now but i was just i was also so in the throes of addiction that like i I didn't think like if if you were like hey you could have a credit card in your pocket, but you'd have to take one day to go to the bank and open up the account. I'd be like, I'm all right. Like, you know, because I'd be like, that, that's, that's six hours I could be doing fucking coke and, and yeah. drinking and just not not be in the, the real world. The only time I was in the real world was being on set at Sopranos, which is like the most surreal yeah. thing. Like, you know, I never want, I'd still, I still have anxiety about like, if someone's like, oh, you have to go to the bank on Tuesday. I'm like thinking about it for four days. I'm like, I have to go to the fucking bank. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. I just, I don't do good with, with that shit. Not that many people do, but I, I, I don't handle that. I don't, I don't handle paperwork well. Like, yeah. I, I'm just, it's, it's, I don't my, handle like, laundry well. Like, I get depressed <laughs> when laundry has to get done. Yeah. And sometimes I, I'm just like, what if I just kill myself? <laughs> then I don't have yeah. to do it. Yeah. But so, like, that's uh, another thing <laughs> that I have in common with uh, both you and AJ Soprano, I, I think. And I, I almost think of you guys, uh, you know, as, like, interchangeable because I think you brought so much, like, um, I don't know, uh, authenticity to the character. But, uh, you know, you're, you're, like, drug use later on. I'm also an addict uh, in recovery. Um, and for me, I, uh, I ended up doing the 12 step thing. So, so I don't, I don't do fucking anything. I basically ruined, ruined partying for myself. Um, and I I wanted to know, so like, what were your drugs of choice? Uh, and, uh, or did you have like multiple? Yeah, I had like eras, you know, like where yeah. like I, when I was 12, it was like, all right, we're going to start drinking and smoking mm-hmm. weed and smoking cigarettes and this, and probably around 15, 16, it was like, oh, we're going to start uh trying somebody has ecstasy because you know a big thing yeah. when you're young is like you can't get it like me and my yeah, friends were yeah. like yo we would love to do acid where the fuck do you get acid like, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah like, we yeah, don't yeah. know and then there were a lot of times where you're young and like then it would be like okay well we could get mushrooms but you have to buy it by the ounce and they're 350 bucks and we'd be like <laughs> yeah that'll, that'll take us three years to get like, we'll, <laughs> yeah. be, we'll have jobs by the time we get that money <laughs> so it was like uh you know then around like 15 i remember was probably the first time maybe where somebody was like oh we, we can get ecstasy or like my brother can do this so we're like okay so and then uh uh, like maybe, yeah, so 15, 16, 17 was like a lot of mushrooms, ecstasy, did acid a couple of times, and then eight, maybe 17, 18, 19, 20 was like, I was just doing coke and drinking nonstop, yeah. like nonstop. And the weird thing is, it's like every drug that I ever had a phase with, whether it was later on I had a phase with Molly or when I did mushrooms or when I was doing ecstasy and this, I loved it. I yeah. really did. But with Coke, I didn't. Like I was uh. like I, I was like, I don't like this stuff. I just do it every night. You know, like yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah. because it was like I love to drink and I don't ever like the party being over. But yeah. for me, like 
I never got like I would hear people talk and I did a lot of coke for a long time. So it's not like, oh, well, you were doing the wrong coke. I did coke in every fucking city. Like I got some (laughs) of the best shit ever this where people would be like, oh, I get coke and I'm paranoid and I lock myself into this. I'm like. If I'm on coke and I hear something in my hallway, I'm opening my front door and being like, "Hey, what's up?" Like, yeah. You want to have like there were a lot of things where I'm like, I don't I'm like I just think you want to hang. Coke. Let's start a t-shirt company together. Yeah, I'm like I'm like I don't even I'm like, hey, you want some coke? Like you yeah. know, it's like I, I don't I don't understand what how a lot of people describe and like when people are like I love doing coke and I would just lock myself in. I'm like. Oh, I fucking hated it. And every time I'd wake up, I'd be like, I'm done. I'm not doing coke anymore. Like, I don't even see the point of that shit. And then that on my like 12th shot that night, I'd be like, okay, how are we getting coke? Like, where do we have to go to get it? Because I'll... I'll, I'll get a car to go anywhere. Like, you know, Coke is really helpful for alcoholics because it allows you to yeah. keep drinking. It's That's the par- like it's what the, party the, keeps the big going things. Drug. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I totally agree with you when I, I had like a, I had a summer of, of Coke uh, and it was a, only a summer because it was the only time I had a job good enough where I could afford it. Yeah. Um, but it was like, uh, it, yeah, people don't, who aren't addicts, don't realize I, I think if you're not an addict you do coke once in a while like you can love coke because you'll do it once uh every couple of months and you're like oh it feels good but when you're like addicted to that shit it's law of diminishing returns it stops feeling good and just is like about energy so it's like drinking a it's like drinking a cup of coffee so that you can continue doing things that actually feel good like drinking yeah and i never like i've i've it's weird too because i i sometimes think about things in my head where I go, was I ever really addicted to this? Because I know Mm -hmm. later on, I was definitely addicted to Xanax and Percocets. Oh yeah. And like when I was addicted to Xanax, it was like, this is something I cannot stop. Right. Like you, whatever you want to do, I cannot stop. Where with Coke and even with drinking and cigarettes, I didn't feel that way. Like I I didn't feel like, man, no matter, like I needed to stop drinking so I could stop doing Coke because Mm -hmm. when you're drunk, you're like, oh yeah, sure. Like let's do fucking Coke or whatever. But I, I, and then I was obviously addicted to fucking Percocets because when I stopped, I got sick. Like, you know, you're like, wow, this fucking sucks. I'm addicted to that thing. And to me, the addiction to, uh, opiates like just for me like i know some people are like it was the hardest thing in the world to stop has like it doesn't hold a fucking candle to xanax like oh interesting it is getting off of xanax to me it was something where i was like i can't do like you understand when it's like oh people did like somebody robbed a house for drugs like where when i was alcohol coke and this stuff if you were like hey you have to go rob that house for coke i'd be like well then let's just not do coke like (laughs) i don't understand (laughs) where like with xanax you go like i don't have an op like like if if i was living with somebody who had that in the fucking medicine cabinet i would go steal their xanax because yeah there's there i i cannot stop i if if i stopped like the way I describe stopping Xanax to people is like, if your biggest fear was heights, imagine not having Xanax was like being, uh, when you go skydiving and that guy like opens the door and he's like, are you ready? <laughs> and like that moment yeah. was just me sitting on my couch. Like it <laughs> felt like my entire yeah. world was ending. I was gonna die. Like yeah. it was, it, you have no control where for me, even though I'm like, yeah, I was an alcoholic and I was this stuff. I always had control over that when I was sober. So like if I wanted to say, hey, tomorrow I'm not drinking, like things would like a lot of people would drink when things were bad. I was never that guy. 
Like, I, I, as soon as, like, if somebody passed away or something bad was happening and people would be like, oh, we're going to the bar after, I'd be like, what are you, nuts? Like, what do you mean you're going to the bar? Like, I was okay when things were bad. It was when things were really good where I was like, I'm uncomfortable. I need to drink because oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not comfortable with things. But, you know, like, yeah. when we'd be at the fucking red carpet of the Emmys, I'd be like, I need to fucking drink because yeah, this yeah. is, you know, like, I, I, I can't handle this shit. You yeah, know, yeah, but, like, yeah. things, whenever things were bad, I, I was never that guy. So I think... That made it easier for me to stop drinking. And, you know, again, part of part of everything for me was, like you said, it's like, I just don't want to go to sleep. I don't want this to end. I don't want the yeah. party to end. But then, you know, a lot of the reasons why I started really, like, abusing alcohol in the first place was these things that I were going to, I didn't enjoy. And I didn't know a way to be like, I don't like this. Like, if somebody's mm. like, you're 17, you're on the best show in the world. And now you can go to any club you want. And I would walk into a club and go, I hate it here. Like, yeah. I don't like <laughs> yeah. this. I, I would go to a fucking, and like, I always looked up to rock stars and wanting to fucking do that shit. So I'd be in a club like, hey, how come I'm not enjoying this? And then you have four shots and you're like, I love this place. You know? right. so which <laughs> then, and that became a thing of like, I was doing that for five or six years nonstop without anybody being like, hey, you know, like this is what's happening. And you're like, I, I just I didn't look at it from an outside perspective. I was just in it, you know? especially in Vegas, because like Vegas is this particular spot where uh, that is just encouraged like that. That's how people live out there. Uh, you know, people stay drunk and high for long periods of time so did you ever yeah. feel like every time i'm you, there past 11 a.m on a sunday i've been like oh god kill me let me yeah <laughs> let me yeah. Just stop. yeah but did it's, you did you ever like go back uh home or like go back to new york visit people and then just like realize um like you were partying different than everyone else no, because when you're like that, you surround yourself with people like that. So I would mm. be in a club and I would look for the people whose like jaw was rattling back and forth. And I wouldn't <laughs> hang out with the people who were like, oh, let's have one cocktail at the bar. Like, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, you have a cocktail that gets lit on fire with a big ice cube. Like, let me try. I'd be like, are you fucking stupid? Like, <laughs> go, like line up 12 shots of tequila. Like we're I'm going to go in the bathroom and do, do as big of a line as I can. Like, you know, it yeah. was. but I think. Uh, yeah, Vegas was bad, but I was, you know, New York is known as like the city that doesn't sleep. And I decided right. like, hey, people don't party enough for me here. Like I need to go <laughs> to Vegas, you know, yeah. and I went to Vegas alone because I was great. Like I, I was just like, I just love partying so much. And I want to be somewhere where if I'm on 15 Molly uh, capsules on a mm. Wednesday afternoon, people aren't going to look at me like I'm crazy. 15, God damn. <laughs> The last time I did Molly, I took 35 at my uh, 28th birthday. Yeah. Not, and I wasn't like 35 in my hand and took them. It was like I took 15 yeah, yeah, yeah. over, you know, a course of however many hours. And then I would pop one or two like over the next like two or three days and just kind of to keep me. And that was yeah. and after that, I thought I did permanent damage to my fucking brain. And I was like, I'm done. Like if I yeah. can come back from this like that. And that's the last time I did, you know anything that like Xanax was still going after that because, but it wasn't like, I wasn't doing Xanax because I was like, yo, this is fun and crazy. Like I was yeah. doing Xanax because I was having panic yeah. attacks from how bad I was treating my body. Yeah. And these things were the only thing that were like, Hey, you're not freaking out all day feeling <laughs> like shit. Yeah. That was my entire experience with Xanax. I never, I never like gained a, like a dependent. So I never went through the withdrawal of Xanax, which I hear <sighs> is the fucking worst withdrawal. 
um yeah. you know and it lasts confirmed for, yeah confirmed <laughs> it lasts for a long time but yeah my entire experience with xanax was like uh when you're doing all these other drugs and you need to like come down off them they're like oh just take this other drug that has the worst come down of all time <laughs> so uh it's kind of a trap but uh but uh, you know i like that you were you know able to to get out of of that trap and like uh fucking you know you just took 35 molly and it cured you of of, <laughs> of ever taking molly again yeah i was just i was at a point where it was and it's also like it doesn't hurt that i was 28 and i had been abusing my body for so long that my body was like hey man we're like you can't keep yeah, we're doing done. this you know like you're really falling apart and i think all the drugs I've done, all the partying I did, all the fucking Vegas, no sleeping. That I think the worst thing I did was cigarettes because I would yeah. have friends where they would wake up the next day and be like, oh, I don't feel that bad. And, and they were always the friends who didn't smoke cigarettes. Yeah. Yes. And my friends who smoked cigarettes because I'd be like, oh, I was up for three fucking days on Molly. And I'd be like, I smoked two packs of, uh, each day. So I'd be like, okay, I smoked six or seven packs of fucking cigarettes in the last, you know, since I, while I was awake, never stopped drinking, never stopped. And I would wake up and I'd be like, I, I want to die. Like, yeah. yeah. It was just the worst. Yeah. And then I got addicted. That's how I got addicted to painkillers because my, mm. my hangovers would be so bad that my friends were like, oh, just take painkillers. And I'd be like, okay. Like, you know, I started taking <laughs> painkillers when I'd wake up hungover and I'd be like, oh shit, I, I do feel better and cigarettes taste better. So it's like... <laughs> Sure. I love, I love like the, how drugs, especially when you're a kid and, you know, and there's no real like guidebook to tell you like what to do and what not to do. So everyone's experience is just uh, made up and we all just are doing the old lady who swallowed a fly. No, it's like Like, when you're a kid. Rather than just letting the fly go through your system, (laughs) you're just like, no, dude, I got to have a beer. Uh, in order to get better from the fly, like, and then I gotta have like, morphine to get better from the beer, and then I gotta have fucking cocaine. It's just like it's like when you're when you get your frisbee stuck up in a tree, so then you throw your football at it, and then the football gets stuck up in a tree, and then you gotta <laughs> kick your soccer ball at it, and then that's in the tree too. Oh yeah. man, yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it's fun, but uh, yeah, no, yeah, opiates. Uh, opiates are the worst. Uh, opiates are def- that was my you know fucking my last run was uh, was a bunch of opiates and. Uh, and yeah, my my last time I uh, I put some Dilaudid uh, in my butt. So uh, <laughs> you know that's that's how you really uh, that's how you know it's over when you like literally hit bottom. You just <laughs> are like yeah. you're like oh fuck that's it dude. But well, um, so you had been doing it already and decided it wasn't enough. So you put it in your butt. No, I I had been doing it uh, and I uh, fucking like I was an IV drug user, so I was like a needle guy. Uh, and so, uh, but then my whole family found out and they basically, you know, I moved back home and I didn't want to like you know have a needle in the house, but I still had some Dilaudid left. And I was like, I got to figure out a way to do it. I didn't like to swallow pills because I was like, it doesn't feel as good. So I found a turkey <laughs> baster and I, I use a Oof. turkey. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it like it really worked. It worked really well. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, uh, you know, sometimes you got to like humiliate yourself in order to really <laughs> stop, <laughs> really stop yeah. doing drugs. Yeah, but uh, you know, then uh, for me now, uh, you you don't drink, um, you smoke weed occasionally, right? You're California sober, as we call it. 
I hate that fucking saying so much. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, for me, weed is just not something I put. In, and I know, I, like, I'm not some expert in this. I'm just saying, for me, I think everyone's different and everybody's whatever. I don't put weed in that category. And I know mm -hmm. there's some people who, like, from the second they wake up until the second they go to bed, they're smoking weed and they need sure. it in this. That's not how I am with weed. Like, for me, if it's like, if somebody, like, if I had. 10 Percocets in my drawer when I was doing drugs, they would not be in my drawer in an hour, two hours, right, how, however right. long. Where now, like, I've had weed in my drawer for six months. I haven't smoked because I'm just like, I don't have that yeah. thing to weed. But there are times where, like, you know, I try and work out five days a week and there's times where I hurt my neck or I hurt my back. And I'm like, oh, I would love, like, it's great. I take one or two hits and I'm like, oh, yeah. I just, I just, I feel a little better. Or there's times where, I have a friend in town and we're like, oh, we're going to watch a movie. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take a hit of we I'll take two hits. Or like, I don't I, yeah. it doesn't have that. You wouldn't uh, sell your ass for it. You don't have the impulse of nothing. Like fucking, yeah. yeah. Like if you told me I'm going to smoke weed tomorrow or I'm not going to smoke weed for the next three months, you're saying the same thing to me. Like, yeah, I, I'm yeah, just yeah. like, oh, OK. And if I ever did feel some kind of pull towards it, it I like, you know, and again, I understand everybody's different and pe people love to be like. Oh, that's a bad road you're going down. And I'm like, yeah. and then people also say like, if you're not working a program, you're this. And I'm like, you know how many people I know who are working a fucking program? When and they, relapsing. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? dude? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, everybody's yeah. different. And, and again, yeah. if my stopping drugs or drinking was court ordered and it was like, you have to do this. Like maybe right. I wouldn't be able to smoke weed or like, you know, my wife and my kids were like, we need you to stop and sat me down. And then I was like, Oh, I'm still going to smoke weed. Like maybe that's not cool, but it's like, I made all those decisions on my own and it was something I really wanted to stop doing. Yeah. So now when I'm like, if I smoke weed, like, I, I don't know. It's just, again, to me, it's a different thing. And I also, like, I cannot touch caffeine. Hmm. And I see people who drink caffeine and then go like, hey, you know, you can't smoke weed. And I'm right. like, well, yeah. I think everyone's different because I can't drink caffeine, but I'm not going to tell you right. like what, because you, it, it's okay for you, you know? Yeah. It's one of the more annoying things about the, the program. Like I just happened to, that's how I ended up getting sober. And so like, it just came to a point with me where I was like, I, uh, I'm going to keep not doing weed because it's like uh, smoking weed will not feel as good as as how bad I'll feel if I like technically according to this particular program I started am relapsing so I'm like ah oh, fuck it I don't need it that bad but like for the most part I'm like uh, yeah everyone smokes cigarettes like a motherfucker everyone fucking <laughs> uh, like they they all drink caffeine like crazy there are sugar addicts food addicts there's all sorts of other shit. And I'm like, I don't, I actually don't know anyone who has sold their ass for weed. So I can't, I personally don't judge fucking, there, there's a lot of fucking purists out there who will say things like California sober. I just say, hey, whatever fucking works for you. Um, yeah, and if somebody like, I'm so comfortable in like who I am and where I'm at there, somebody's like, you're not sober. I'm like, okay, like, yeah, I, I don't need to, yeah. I, I don't care. Yeah. What, and you know, what's funny too is like, and again, I'm not trying to put down people who drink caffeine. I'm just trying to make the comparison where sure. it's like, I know people who go, who are sober, who go, I can't get through my day without caffeine. Right. I go, what? Like, isn't that yeah. what, isn't that your whole thing? Like, <laughs> yeah. isn't that what you're not trying to do? Because yeah. I, 
like if I was like, I can't get through my day without weed, I'd go, Hey man, there's a fucking, there's something here. Like yeah, 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 I yeah. should address this instead of just being like, Oh no, nah, but it's coffee. Like it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's these beans. Like I'm like, what? Like, okay. <laughs> my addiction again, like, is socially sanctioned and that's uh yeah. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not trying. And, and again, like, you know, I, I was, I was around, uh, my friend, they, they have like a two year old, a three year old, and they gave him sugar for the first time. Mm-hmm. And his mom, his mom was so worried about him. I was like, Oh my God, is he okay? Like what's wrong? With and I was like, you gave him sugar. Yeah, like, and they were yeah. like, you think that's what's doing? And I'm like, yeah, he was like running around. And then for like 30 minutes, he was on the carpet with his head down and his butt up in the air, just like staring. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, this is, it's fucking like, look at, look at cocaine and then look at sugar. Like yeah. it's a, this white powder that mm-hmm. like makes you act a little nutty and like and also <laughs> extremely addicting like obviously i know cocaine is not sugar and it's also from a fucking plant like yeah co- cocaine is not uh sugar is not cocaine but i'm like but you, you even if it's five percent or one percent no. or whatever you know no and it is because i one time i stopped uh i had i like stopped having sugar and fucking Four days into it, I thought I was going to die and I didn't know what was wrong with me. <laughs> and then I realized it was that I have I have been addicted to like sugar for so long that I was having uh, low blood sugar. I basically was having withdrawal. So sugar is a fucking drug. It is absolutely a drug. It's and just I a question. Also, yeah. I also uh, have heard that like when kids get circumcised, when babies get circumcised, they uh-huh. they take like their finger and they put it in sugar and they put it in their mouth, and that stops them from like what like <laughs> losing their fucking minds because you're like cutting part of their penis off, like you know, like they're just, just like, like like giving a fucking like Civil War soldier who's being amputated giving them whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just uh, bite, exactly... bite down on this popsicle. Yeah, yeah. It's just sugar is fucking crazy, man. I I've I've had a lot of, uh, you know, I, I try to stay away from sugar, but I had a friend, you know, when you live in Vegas, you, you experience all these crazy things because people love to gamble. And I I remember one of my friends, they bet him, um, a ton of money that for a year he couldn't not drink. He couldn't not eat sugar. He couldn't like all these things. And he did it. And he was like on January 1st, he went and he was like, oh, I'm not going to go crazy and get like a fucking, you know, Slurpee or a Pixie stick. He's like, I'm going to go and just get like chocolate covered almonds for my first thing and like see how I react. And he was like, yo, I was sick. Like I, yeah, I straight ate up. it. And, and he's like, I was fucking sick. Like I got really sick. And it's just like, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, oh no, sugar. Like, mm. you know, like it's okay. It's in everything. It's like, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason it's in everything. Uh, it's crazy because people are addicted. Um, so just real quick about uh, poker. So are, you're you're a professional poker player. Is that right? I mean, you know, like being a professional poker player to me is like a weird thing because it's like mm. if you say like I'm a painter, it's like, well, what does that mean? And some people are like, well, you 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 pay your bills with the money you make from doing that. And the same, it's the same thing with acting, right? Like I know people who are. 10 times better actors than me and but they can't get work so right. are they actor like I, so i'm an actor and they're not actors because i got lucky and made a fucking bunch of money or whatever so uh poker is the thing that i could always go back to and i uh i i enjoy it sometimes you don't sometimes you do but i i went to vegas and i started playing poker 
And I just wanted to see, you know, if I, I wanted to stop acting and I was like, if I stop acting, can I do this for real? And I went to Vegas for a year and I played poker and I was like, okay, I learned that I could, like I, I, I could yeah. be a professional. And like, again, it's not cause I'm some great poker player. It's because all these people are terrible. Like there's people, when you're, when you go to Vegas and you're there every day playing poker and you're sitting with these people who are there for four days and their girlfriend is upstairs getting ready and they have $500 that they're just ready to fucking win or lose and they don't care or whatever. It's not that hard mm, yeah. <laughs> to make money playing poker in Vegas. The whole thing is it's, it's self-control. It's, it's, mm -hmm. do you know when to stop? Do you know when to go home? Do you know on the way out not to go play roulette and blackjack? Because when I would go to Vegas with my friends for a week before I ever moved there, like I would never come home with money because I could make money playing poker. And then it's like, good luck getting out the front door with that because <laughs> yeah. there's so much shit you could do. Or if you go to a fucking strip club or this. So I went there for the year and I was like, I want to prove to myself that if I do stop acting, I could make it as a poker player, even if it's because, you know, I had money in the bank. So was, even if it's 10 years from now, I just want that security in my head sure. to know. Or do I need to fucking keep acting? Because without it, I'm, I am I will be on the street or whatever. So, yeah, you figure out pretty quick that making money playing poker, you have to devote your life to it. But it's not that difficult. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's I, interesting. But yeah. the, the highs and lows are fucking brutal. Like, like you yeah. know, because... The best poker player in the world wins, what, 60% of the time? So 40% of the time that you're going to work, you're coming home with less money than you went with. And, yeah, and to God. deal with that over and over and over, and especially there's times where like that 40% of the time comes 100% of the time for a month. And you yeah. have to be, and I was lucky to have money in the bank, but like, you know, you have to more so financially because you can make money financially. It's, it's mentally dealing yeah. with that and being like, like, Man, I just lost playing poker, going to work 14th day in a row. And now I'm walking out of this uh, casino and there's three girls drinking, playing roulette who are looking at me like, like, yeah. what am I like? I'm going to have the fucking the discipline to be like, no, I, I, I just lost 14 days in a row and I'm going to go home and I'm going to study poker. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, you, it, it's hard. You know? And it's to say, like, it's just it's, it's really fucking hard. And I've seen people who were much better poker players than me, like. There's a ton of poker players at the World Series of Poker who are such amazing poker players going around asking people to put them in events and to borrow money because they can't Damn. make it out the front door with the money. Dude, that's fucked up. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's really, you know, it's it's crazy. It's a hard life, man. I mean. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's, it's interesting. It's it's an interesting. They say, like, it's a hard way to make an easy living. I think that's right. the saying. Yeah. yeah. So at some point, are you still in Vegas or at some point did you, uh, did you move to LA? So I moved to LA to start the podcast with Jamie mm -hmm. because I was just like, so I, I moved to Vegas once when I was partying and I actually went for two weeks just to go play the world series of poker. And I stayed for 18 months mm -hmm. and then I went home. Uh, that's like shortly after that got sober and then I, or stop drinking or whatever people want to fucking call it. Uh, I, I, then a couple of years later, I started getting more into poker again. Cause it comes in waves, you know, like there's times where you're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. Like I like poker is really good right now. And it also, the poker community goes in waves, like something like COVID hit and there was a poker boom because everybody mm. sat home and was playing online poker. So there's these weird things that, and like when the stock market and everything is doing really bad, like 2008, it's like there's a big like poker dies down or, you know, I don't know if it did in 2008, but I'm just saying there are yeah, yeah. things that 
uh, correlate with poker and make them go big or not, or even like who wins the World Series of Poker. Like if some internet kid in a hoodie who doesn't speak at all wins the World Series of Poker, it doesn't make poker boom. If somebody who's like loud and and doesn't really know how to play poker wins it and they tell their story where they go i don't really i play poker twice a year with my buddies and i won the world series of poker all of a sudden everybody's like i could win the world series of poker you know so uh yeah when i went back and i was sober i just realized pretty quick like oh this place isn't for me anymore you know like i I don't want to be here and uh so i moved uh to la to start the podcast with jamie and then COVID hit Right. So we were, you know, we had a studio that we were doing our podcast in and it was going so fucking well and everything was great. COVID hit. Uh, and listen, I know people lost a lot more than that during COVID. I'm just telling my story. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we, we stopped going to the studio. We started doing it over Zoom and I still love it. And, and we do it once a week. And whatever. But like when we were in that, that studio altogether, you really felt that momentum of like, totally. we're fucking doing something here and, 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 it's, and, and there's magic happening. It felt that way for me, you know, where I was like, wow, this is when we laugh so much and the vibe is so good. We would have guests come in and, yeah. and then, uh, you know, when you do it over Zoom, it's cool. And like sometimes you're like, wow, that episode was great. And sometimes you're like, wow, we just did a zoom for an hour, you right. know, or it's, yeah. but it's, you know, I, I love it. And I love seeing her and getting to spend time with her and doing other podcasts. It's just been, uh, it's, it's been great. I've, I really, uh, enjoy it. And then I came here and I was like, Oh, even though I'm doing the podcast here, I could play poker in LA, but yeah. then COVID hit and all the casinos shut down. It was online poker. And I'm like, I don't like online poker. Like <laughs> I don't like sitting on a fucking tablet for 12 hours like staring at the screen and you don't you know like i like playing against people and you you pick up things from them like right and and playing the person and this we're there it's it just becomes very math and you feel like a computer all day sitting there doing it so i did it but it's it's not the same you know i love being in a room with people who are having a good time and you're hanging out and you're playing poker and it's that that's that's part of what i like about it you know yeah you, you well, told I mean, of, you know, oh, sorry. Uh, 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 well, uh, unfortunately, it feels like this uh, pandemic will never fucking end. Um, but uh, hopefully it will. And when it does, are you going to you guys going to go back in studio or uh, what do you what do you think? Well, J- like you said, hopefully the pandemic will end. I don't know if you know, Jamie moved to Texas and it's it's mm. over. It's over there. <laughs> right. The, the <laughs> pandemic, there is no pandemic. Like yeah, she, yeah. you know, when she comes back to like LA or goes to New York, she goes, oh my God, you can't believe this is still going on. Like how it's like mask and everybody's scared. Oh, you're in an elevator. Go ahead. I'll take the next one. This she's like, when you're in Texas, like there, there's a lot of time where there just, there is no COVID and people are getting COVID and, and you right, know, obviously people are fucking dying from it, everything. But this, the way they've decided to live in Texas is very different from the way sure. uh, people in New York and LA have decided to live with, you know, I, I, I don't have answers, but I, I know it's real nice when you hear somebody who goes like, Oh, this is still going on. Like about <laughs> yeah. a year into COVID maybe I hadn't left LA and I went to San Diego uh, for a week. Me and my buddy who I do the podcast with Casim, it's me, Jamie and Casim. Right. Me and him got a place uh, for a week in San Diego and we were, and we started walking around San Diego and we're like, Oh my God, we've been stuck in this LA bubble. Like <laughs> right. this isn't, people aren't COVID crazy everywhere. Like right, people were yeah. just living there. People were happy to see you. They weren't looking <laughs> at you like, Oh my God, you're going to kill me. You know? <laughs> right. I went to, uh, to Vince's wedding during, uh, COVID. Um, Vince got married. Like it was like when, 
it's 2020 and there was like a downswing in COVID. Yeah. Um, the, and, we, the, uh, the false like, oh, it's over now. Yeah, the right. first time that we thought it was over, and, and uh, sure. yeah. I sh- I showed up uh, wearing a mask, and Vince has has moved to to Fresno, and one of his guests went up to me, uh, and he wasn't wearing a mask, and he said, "So is uh, is COVID like a like a big deal over in Los Angeles?" <laughs> and I was just like, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure it exists everywhere, bro." But it was just like seeing seeing how much he did not give a fuck. I was just like, "Oh, that's got to be." That's got to be nice. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. walking around scared. Um, but, uh, yeah. Vince, you have any more questions? Oh, I was going to add, you told a funny story on uh, Allison Rosen's podcast about uh, being on, on dating apps and and uh, having people yell at you for using uh, AJ Soprano's picture. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, there were just like, you know, it's, it's very rare that even a girl my age uh, or knows about Sopranos but like you know once a week when you're on the dating apps you get somebody who's like you know either like oh shit Sopranos but then like you know you also get people who are like you're a fucking loser like you're using AJ Sopranos pictures on a dating app and blah 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 I'm just like okay like (laughs) you know like I'm not gonna argue with them I'm just like yeah all right I'm a loser like talk to you later you know what am I gonna do uh what dating app were, were, were you using so I got on Hinge. Hinge, yeah. Yeah, because they were, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking sober. I'm looking for like a, I don't like to party. I don't like to go out. I was looking for right. like a real relationship. And supposedly my friends who were on these apps were like, hey, Hinge is a, an app where you, uh, you, it's, they say like their slogan is like, we're, our app is designed to be deleted. You know, like they, uh-huh. it's, it's people who supposedly want relationships, but it's all right. like, it's all everybody just, you know, pe- people, I've noticed people don't really pay attention to slogans, you know, <laughs> they, they, they don't, they don't really, uh, it's, it's not written in stone, I guess, but you know, it's, it's, it's all good. It's, it's whatever you, I've met some great, uh, people through the apps and it's, 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 uh, it was something that like the first year of COVID too, I was like, I'm just not dating i'm just fucking meditating working out every day working on myself like like living this fucking life where i'm like wow i'm getting to know myself and getting to know like so much about this and uh yeah and then a year uh, over a year into covid like i was like okay now i'm becoming like the weird creepy dude (laughs) who like wants to touch people's back and like transfer my energy (laughs) you know like i need to just fucking get out again and start dating and this so i uh I started dating again and it was, but it was crazy how like, you know, I I have a lot of friends who have families or they're in relationships, this, and they would look at me during that time and be like, God, you must be so lonely and it must be so like sad and this. And I would look at them and be like, yo, you have no time for yourself. You hate the person you're dating. Your Mm -hmm. kids drive you nuts. And I understand like, you know, it's so uh, like having a children and the feeling and that, but just yeah, yeah. when you're looking at somebody from the outside, it's like I was doing better than I had ever done in my life. <laughs> yeah. Where like, man, this where they were like pulling their hair out, like it's COVID over, like my kids are gonna kill me, am I this? And I would be like, oh yeah, no, I'm really sad and lonely. Like you know, where I'm like, I'm like, oh, I don't know, it's five o'clock, I'm going for a walk, like you know, where they were like, oh my kid just fucking hit me over the head with a frying pan, and I. <laughs> And I hate the person I live with and this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, all right, I'm just going to stay over here lonely. Yeah, I'm going to stay over here, do literally whatever I want. 
Yeah. yeah, which you know I understand can uh, can get old and how amazing sure, having sure. children is and this, but man, like I was just hearing a lot of stories where I was like, I, I can't relate. Like I'm, yeah. I'm just as happy as you know, like yeah. my. We started going back to studio when you said like when COVID like was fake over for a little bit, right? And uh, my buddy would pick me up and he's like, Yo, you're the happiest person I know. Like Cassim would pick me up. He's like, every time you come walking out, you're smiling and like <laughs> things are good. And I'm like. Yeah, I, I, why wouldn't I be? Like, I, I don't understand. And it's like, you know, and then you fucking, I'd get into a relationship and two months later, I go, he comes to pick me up. He's like, you all right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll be fucking fine. Just drive the car. Like, yeah, yeah. You know? I got a plan of dinner. Fuck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's like my whole, like, I, I literally, like, when I'm dating somebody, I'm like, didn't you exist before I came around? Like, yeah, you what know if how it, to do some of the stuff, yeah, right? like, what if it was Samantha's yeah. birthday before you met me? And, like, I did, like, me not going to Samantha's birthday is somehow the worst thing I've ever done to anyone in my whole life. Like, certainly you know how to feed yourself, right? Like, just yeah. pretend I'm not here and act as you would. And then when I show right. up, it'll be a treat. What yeah, would you? I'm sorry, I'm not hungry. Exactly when you're hungry. <laughs> what like, would you yeah. say no to if I wasn't here to suggest restaurants that you don't like? <laughs> yeah. yeah, just say no to yourself over and over again. Uh, just... Women. Anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> no, I'd be like that though. I'm yeah. I'm like, I'm like right now in Francesca's office because she had to use the the studio and I'm hoping she's not hearing any of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I, like, I, no, baby, I was just doing a pod. Yeah, I'm doing a bit. It's just a yeah. fun bit. Yeah, yeah. This fucking girl, dude. I swear to God. Um, so uh, it, just uh, to wrap things up, like uh, acting, is that something you think you're ever gonna go back to at any point? Uh, yeah, you know, I did a show like a uh, five or seven, however many years ago it was, because I just felt like everything lined up right. You know, it was mm-hmm. like it was like a guy who was like not too, you know, uptight about things and this. But I feel like, you know, if I was going to go do a show for Netflix, I would feel a huge responsibility that you should sure. feel, you know, when, when you're going to do something. And I'd be like, man, I. I even told this guy, I was like, listen, I, I, I'm just getting off of Xanax and Percocets and drinking and Molly. And co-. I go, I might not be able to remember lines, man. Like, and I was like, I'm going to try. But I was like, I don't know if I could do this anymore. And he was like, dude, don't worry about it. Like, whatever. Where, you know, I, if Netflix came to me with an offer, I wouldn't be like, hey, you know, like, I might not know my lines. So, like, are you guys cool with that? Like, I would just feel this responsibility of, like, this pressure and this and because of poker and making some good investments and stuff like that. Like I don't have to work right now. Yeah. But again, five years from now, there might be something that would come like, you know, I've said this before, but it's like, if Martin Scorsese rang my phone, guess who's working tomorrow? Like, yeah. Right. Me, yeah. you know, but it's just, yeah. I do get offers for su- a surprising amount of stuff. And I, all of them, I kind of go like, I, I'm okay with passing on this because I know like, you know, there was one time where I got an offer to do something and I said, yes. And like, three hours later I was feeling anxiety for the first time in seven years you know because yeah. I was like I, I don't want to do this I just said yes because I feel like I should right you know and I was like I don't want to do it. I'd rather go play poker seven days a week for three years than have to go work on this thing because I just I'd rather not feel that pressure and I understand that also like you know you should feel that pressure in life and I and I do and I feel it from other stuff but I just the acting thing uh yeah i don't know right now it's just something in my life where i go like i'm i'm okay because i've uh you know when you work on sopranos and you love everyone and you love the work and you love the this and then all of a sudden you 
work on something and you go, oh, I don't really like these people and I don't like the work I'm doing and I don't like this. And you start to just, it starts to suck. And my, I think I have like a anxiety about doing stuff because, you know, we, we went to do Sopranos. It was like, hey, you want to do the show for two weeks? And it turned into half of my life. Like yeah, I was yeah. 22 and it was like, all right, goodbye. Like you're done. It was 10 <laughs> years. So I'm like, man, what if I get on something? And again, this is like fucking rich people problem. You know, it's like good problems to have, but I'm like, mm. what if, and not that I'm rich, but you know, it's, it's, it's good problems to have where it's like, uh, if, what if I get on something that I fucking hate for five years or six years and I, this, and I think, you know, being sober, quote unquote, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you don't want to fuck with that. You know, like I, I feel like I'm in a great space. I really, my, my life is just, I really, I, you know, I, when I was on top of the world and Sopranos was fucking the biggest show in the world and we're winning awards and I was going out on this, I, I didn't really love my life, you know, like mm-hmm. it was cool and I enjoyed it, but I, I, I was pushing myself to do things that I felt like I shouldn't be doing, whether it was going out and drinking and partying and being the, the guy who's up all night or whatever. Like I, I really, I would wake up and feel like shit and I'd hate myself for it and, and this, and you just go through these things where now it's like, you know, I'm getting at, at 36. I'm like, Hey, I kind of like myself for the first time. Yeah. And like, I'm like, I'm eating clean. I'm working out. I, I meditate every day. I'm doing things that are good for me. So when I wake up, I go like, oh, I'm happy to see you. Like, you know, instead yeah. of being like waking up in the morning and being like, oh, you tried to kill us again last night. Like, like you know, like I, I fucking hate you. Like I'd right. go to the bathroom and look in the mirror and be like, you motherfucker. Like, you know, you did it again. So it's uh, it's nice. And I'm really just enjoying this uh, this part of my life that, that I'm in. You know, yeah. and I think... A lot of people get to experience this at different times, younger ages and this, but I think, you know, not that I was having this horrible job, but I did. I started working when I was six, you know, so I Mm. think it's just a, there's a weird thing that I maybe, Yeah, you put in your time and you feel like, okay, now I'm going to do what I fucking want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's, it's not like, there was a time where David Chase came in and said like, Hey, he told the whole cast, he's like, we want to take a year off. I want to take a year off from, from working on the show, but are you okay with that in between like seasons five and six? And Edie Falco and Lorraine Bracco, who are these like actors, were like, oh my God, what are we going to do in between? And I was like, holy shit. Like, I get to fucking hang out with my friends every single day for a year and not have to worry about anybody telling me like, all right, you got to be up at 4 a.m. for, you know, <laughs> to, to be on set and to do this thing. We're like, and I love doing that. Like I love yeah. going to set and working with these people, but just that freedom yeah. was something I felt for the first time when I was like 17 or 18 and I'll never forget it. I loved it so fucking much, you know? Yeah. Well, what, what do you like better acting or podcasting? <laughs> Definitely podcasting. Hell yeah. Podcasting is the best, dude, right? Yeah, or like, you know, I think I also could enjoy uh, acting a lot more if it was on something like Curb Your Enthusiasm or this, where like, I just, because I'm not as good of an actor as all the actors like I ever work with, I feel like I put this pressure on myself where it's like, well, then you better be the most prepared. Like Mm. you can't afford to say like, I can't remember my lines or like I'm tired or I'm this. It's like you're, you're, you know, where you might not bring it is the acting. So you need to be fucking ready in all these other spots. So it's like the pressure of, you know, and listen again, if, if you're working construction 12 hours a day, you're probably like, Oh, shut the fuck up. You know, like this, (laughs) it's very easy. And I understand, but you know, there's a thing where it's like, if you're going to work at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and you're working all day, this, and like you finally get that feeling where you go, 
oh, you're off of work. And that's what I love about podcasts. It's like, okay, we're done. You actually feel like you're done. When you're yeah. acting, it's like, hey, you're done. And then you're like, okay, now I have to go learn the lines for tomorrow. So I have to sit in a room by myself for three or four or five hours or until I figure all this stuff out and I get it. And, this, and it's like, again, I'm not saying it's so hard and, and it's so this, but it's just something that I really don't enjoy. Like yeah. I love the feel. Like it almost feels like when you're in it, you're never done. You know, like I yeah. just, I need the feeling of like, all right, that's it. Like, you know, the yeah. podcast <laughs> is over. And then it's like, okay, now what do I do? Where it's like, I don't feel like I have a free moment when I'm acting because it's like, hey, this could be a moment where you're, you know, improving your acting skills or some shit. Yeah. Or reading the next script. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with you completely. Podcasting way better than acting. I've never acted, but um, yeah. I like to I like to feel better about podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Because it's what great. We do. Love uh, podcasting. Yeah. Uh, Vince. Any any more questions? I too love podcasting. Uh, no, I think I think we uh, we came around. We came full circle. Uh, yeah, no, I don't have any more questions. Hell yeah! Well, Robert Eiler, thank you so much for coming on Pod Yourself a Gun and talking uh, talking about Sopranos and your life with us. Absolutely, Matt Vince. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, whenever whenever you want me back, just let me know. Oh, I'd love to have you. I'd love to have you back and. Uh, your podcast is called uh, Pajama Pants. Pajama and- Pants. We're on uh, YouTube, anywhere you get uh, podcasts. I do it with Jamie and our buddy Cassim. And then we're on Instagram, Pajama Pants Podcast, or just Pajama Pants. I don't know, but you'll, you could find it. And if, uh, yeah, we just try and, you know, we're, we're not structured. We don't have some, like, this is what we do every week. It's like it's three friends yes. hanging out. It's a lot like how this just was. It was like three people hanging out uh bullshitting and you know it's uh yeah we 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 enjoy it for sure hell yeah so check out pajama pants wherever you get your podcasts patreon.com slash broadcast for all of the bonus episodes uh and uh broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions comments and concerns vince what is the google voice number 415-275-0030 all right everyone thanks again so much for listening And until next time, don't stop believing. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.